Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, where we look at a Bible study. I'm Pastor Tom Baker on this last day of November, the 30th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. And we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 16. And pretty quick into getting into it, we're going to find what I consider to be one of the most important verses in the entire book of Proverbs, if not also in the entire Bible, when we're dealing with good works. So without further ado, Proverbs 16, verse 1. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, what that is saying is that a lot of times man makes plans and he does it on the basis of his heart. In in other words, in the Hebrew, that's referring to by his own will, he makes certain plans. The plans of the heart belong to man and therefore he arranges what he wants to do. Now, a lot of times that is not done with God's wisdom. So the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, what is spoken about plans often is decided by the Lord. Uh, for, For example, In my own situation, I was at the seminary, and I enjoyed it so much, I thought I would like to be a professor there. So I began to take graduate courses, and after uh, a year of that, I received a degree in the graduate area and got a call to Michigan, where I was pastor. Now, the situation was such that the head of the seminary was not of my same mindset. So I was pretty sure I wasn't going to get a call to the seminary. As you know, they turned into what we call seminex. So I took a call to a congregation in St. Louis. And during that month, there was a walkout at the seminary and a new president took over, Dr. Martin Charlemagne. And he wanted to call me as a professor, but the Board of Regents, I was outvoted by one vote by a friend of mine who said, well, you know, Pastor Baker has just taken a call to this new congregation and it wouldn't be fair for the congregation. He's there only a few weeks that we would call him to the seminary and he would have to leave. So he voted against me being on the faculty. When I found that out, I was disappointed. But then, guess what? In a few years after that, I got into the radio ministry. And I just completed 25 years on radio station KFUO and believe that I've had an impact on people who listen to KFUO. And so 
the answer from the Lord was, no, your plans are from your heart, but I've got some other plans for you. And he did even better. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And that uh, occurs also not only in believers, but even in unbelievers, that the Lord moves them to say things. Remember when Jesus was kind of on trial among the Pharisees, the priest Caiaphas mentioned that someone would need to die for the sake of the world. And he indicated not to persecute Jesus. Now he was an unbeliever, but the Lord used his lips to keep Jesus safe uh, until the time of the crucifixion. It's verse two that I think is the most important verse in all of Proverbs. Proverbs written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit by Solomon. It says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's take a look at the first part. The ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. Sin blinds us to the faults that we are doing. We sin every day, if not by deed, by thought, and by word. And that sin isn't often recognized as sin because we think whatever we're doing that is pure in our own eyes. Therefore, sin blinds us to our own faults. We think when we do a good work, it's a good work outwardly, and God will be pleased with me. Remember the Pharisee? Thanking God that he wasn't like that evil tax collector working for the Romans against the Jews. And the Pharisee also said, look at the good works I'm doing. I fast, I tithe. And there he was talking about the ceremonial laws. Nobody is saved by obeying the ceremonial laws outward. Why? It's this next phrase that is the key to understanding what is a good work in God's eyes and what is not. But the Lord weighs the spirit. Now, remember, the plans of the heart belong to man. That means we make plans according to our feelings, according to our own heart. And a lot of time, it's not Holy Spirit driven. But the Lord, he weighs the spirit within us. That means he examines or he evaluates our motives. That is really, really important because that's the difference between a work that appears to be good but is not good in the eyes of God and those works that are good because the work is good on the basis of the motivation, not on its outward keeping 
of the law because the Lord weighs the spirit. He evaluates the motives. That's why the unbeliever cannot possibly do a good work in the eyes of God because he has no motives of love of Christ to do that work. That's found also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Let, listen to this, so important. The natural person, that means the person who is not a believer, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. See, that's what the gift of coming to faith, being converted, or the gift of baptism does for you. You receive faith, which means you receive not an understanding of God, but you begin to realize how God works. And it's really quite ridiculous how God works. But you are sure of it because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have received faith. So Christians do not understand God, but we believe God. That's really important. The example I would give, I like to play tricks on the kids when they were growing up. Uh, there was a room where we had a bright light in the room on the ceiling. And what I would do, and I'd call the kids, and they were only three, four, five years old when I did this, and I would put my back up to the switch that was on the wall, and by just lifting a little bit, I could turn the light on. So I would call one of the children into the room and say, uh, I, I've got a magic I can show you. And I would look up at the light and say, turn on light. And by moving my shoulder up, the switch would flip up and the light would go on. And I said, I can even turn it off. Turn off light and move my shoulder just a bit. Move the switch down. The light turned off. They said, can we do that? I said, I don't know. Try it. And they would say, turn on light. And when they said that, I would move my shoulder up and the light would turn on. And then they'd turn off light and the light would turn off. Then I said to them, go and tell your mother what you're able to do. So they would run and get Louise, bring her into the room and say, watch this, mom. And they would say, light, turn on. And it didn't turn on. Now, I was really mean. <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. But Louise would always tell them what I was doing. So I couldn't, well, fool them too often. It, it was a way of, keeping them from gambling. My uh, one son, I think he was about six years old, we were watching a football game on television 
and the one team it had like three points the other team had 30 points and we were going into the second half and i said oh i know what's going to happen is that team that has three points is going to win the game and my son looked at me and said no way they're so far behind i said well i'll bet you a, a quarter and my son had a quarter so he said okay he was expecting to win a quarter well the fourth quarter came in the football game and before you knew it the team that was behind had scored a few times and with 10 seconds left they hit a field goal and they won the game well my son was astonished at me that i not only said they were going to win i had also told him what the score would be at the end of the game it was like 32 to 30 something like that and he he was amazed what i didn't tell him is that we were watching a rerun of the football game that I had read about in the paper and I knew what the score was when it ended. Well, once more, Louise told him the truth about the paper. And so at least he learned not to gamble because I took his quarter and I said, don't gamble because it's always a losing cause. So that's what is the most important verse, I think, in the entire book of Proverbs, where God looks at a good work and he weighs the spirit. He evaluates the motives. In other words, he is looking at your motivation. In fact, those works done by Christians are not even regarded as good works, they're regarded as fruit of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that gives us a proper motivation. Verse three, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Another way of looking at that is commit your efforts to the Lord when you make a plan in your heart. And so take some time in thinking about it and your plans will be successful. In other words, use the advice of others. I've told you about the time that I wanted to build a room in the basement for the kids to play in. That was away from the washer and the dryer, etc., and the furnace. So I just bought some eight by four sheets and nailed them to the ceiling. Well, the room lasted about two weeks with the sheets falling down and the room was destroyed by the kids playing in it. I did not have the knowledge of how to put up walls for a room. And if I had taken a course or done a plan or today you can go to YouTube and type in how to build a wall and they'll give you all kinds of ways to do it. And by committing your work and your efforts to the Lord, your plans will be established. They will be successful. 
but maybe in ways that you had not imagined. Verse 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Now, that can be a confusing verse. It's clear that when the Trinity created the earth and the heavens, he had a purpose in that creation. Everything had a purpose. Trees were there to feed human beings. Ground was there in order to grow trees. Water was there not only in the oceans but in the air so that things could grow and people would not be thirsty. Everything had a purpose. But even the wicked for the day of trouble, God has a purpose. Why? It is because of their stubbornness that the wicked don't listen to God. And therefore, God makes sure that they have a day of trouble. It's really quite amazing how many times you see on television, either in the news or in movies, how wicked people who are unbelievers do all kinds of sinful lifestyles. And a lot of times they end up in divorce or beatings or murder. This is God at work here, helping people in the day of trouble so that others become aware of what is going on. And therefore, when an unbeliever does a sin and there is no repentance, that is because they do not fear God. And there's a verse coming up about that. But first of all, verse 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Now, what does it mean to be arrogant in the heart? It's really talking about a person's attitude toward Jesus Christ. Uh, You see on the news today, young people deciding to sleep with one another even though they are not married. That is a disgusting thing to the Lord. And be assured, they will not go unpunished. Be sure of this. Now, that punishment may not be obvious to others, But in marriages, or I should say in unions that are not proper marriages, there is much trouble. There is much stubbornness. There is fighting going on. And it's not at all unusual for a boyfriend to kill a girlfriend or vice versa because of something that's going on. And these break up very easily. And that can cause somebody 
to hurt someone else because they're jealous or they have been rejected. This happens a lot of times. And so this is a way in which people do not go unpunished. That's one of the things about sin, that when you sin, there will always be a negative consequence. And a lot of people don't recognize that. They get surprised at negative consequences, particularly among their friends. And they'll say things like, oh, he or she was such a good person. They were so wonderful. But they're living in a unbiblical lifestyle, and therefore bad things happen to them from our point of view. Now, God allows that to happen, and sometimes he even causes it. Remember David and Bathsheba? David decided to commit adultery with her. What did God do? He put to death the baby they had. David had prayed strongly that when the baby got sick, that he would be healed. But God permitted the baby to die from the sickness because God will not be mocked by other nations, which David had helped to occur by his sin with Bathsheba. So, verse 6 is important. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Now, that's a word we don't use that often atoned, A-T-O-N-E-D. But the noun is atonement. And break that word up. At one meant. When you are atoned from a religious point of view, you are now made to be one with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And how did that come about? It says, by steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, that's referring to Jesus' attitude. In steadfast love to you, he made a conscious will to come to earth, become a human being, and die on the accursed tree in order that he might turn you away from evil. And that's why the second part of verse 6 is so important. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Now, what does that mean? Well, young people today, and at times older people, who are living in lifestyles that are sinful, either committing fornication, adultery, or homosexual activity. They have no fear of the Lord. Unfortunately, at times, even Christians will do a sin. And you only do a sin because you don't fear the Lord. What does that mean? Well, I've said this before. Children end up fearing the parents. 
and that's a good thing. They are not afraid of their parents, but to fear the parents means they have a recognition that they could be punished when they break the rules of the household. I, I remember I was playing baseball and I was supposed to be home at five o'clock, but it was up to me to be next in line to bat and the bases were loaded. And I knew if I did that, I wouldn't be home in time, but I did it anyway. I got home about 10 minutes late. And so I wasn't able to watch television that night. That was the punishment. And I feared coming home, trying to make all kinds of excuses, but I knew that my parents were smarter than I was and they would not accept an excuse. So fear of the Lord really lies behind doing fruit of the Holy Spirit because we know that the Lord has the capability of giving us negative consequences, but we trust the Lord so much that we, though fear him, we love to do what he asks us to do. And the more you learn how Jesus went to the cross and paid the ultimate price for your salvation, the more you are moved to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, the question there in the second part of the verse, who does he refer to? When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It is referring to both the man who follows the ways of the Lord and refers to God, who makes even your enemies to be at peace with you as you follow his ways. Great section of Proverbs 16, especially verse two, that God weighs your good works according to your motives. Be with us tomorrow when we'll examine another item. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.